Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A being that has never existed before. I'm Crawford Tillinghast. Let it happen, Robert. No! Let it out! Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I am your host, Armand Haddad, and this season we are exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today we are looking at the film adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft novella, From Beyond. But before we view our world beyond the five senses, I am joined by a returning guest, the audio extraordinaire, both in broadcasting and online. Please welcome back Chicago podcaster and host of WSTR, Galactic Public Access, Aaron Julian. Thank you so much, Armand, for having me back on. And you are so, so generous. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And we are about to jump into some crazy subject matter with From Beyond from 1986. So before we really jump into today's discussion, since this was your recommendation, Aaron, how did you first hear about this particular film? And how did you first learn about Lovecraft? Well, I recommended this movie because I hadn't seen it, but I'd always wanted to see it. It has come recommended to me and as a hidden gem, and I thought it'd be a perfect syndicate Mm -hmm. film. So basically, this movie was recommended to me because it was described to me as kind of like a cult classic, like a horror comedy type thing, but more so just kind of made you rethink a lot of different things. And I was already a bit of a fan of Lovecraft stories, the mythos, and 
the first Lovecraft story I read was from the Mountains of Madness. Mm. And I would also was briefly part of this tabletop game uh, with one of my friends. He led this game called Delta Green, which is mm. kind of a spinoff of the Call of Cthulhu game system. Yes. Delta Green is you're basically part of this black ops uh, kind of secret covert unit. It's off the government books, no official funding. If you're ever caught doing what you're doing, you're going to be denied all kinds of, you know, cloak and dagger, yeah. uh, extra legal type stuff. And the purpose of this unit is that it is formed in order to combat these kinds of weird extra dimensional, extraterrestrial threats yeah. to the world system. So there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theory stuff, a whole bunch of Cthulhu-esque madness, lots of different kind of folklores and nasty monsters that you end up encountering and it's the kind of game where you know you you do your investigations and stuff like that but if you ever get into combat you're probably dead <laughs> it's probably far too late i played a u.s postal inspector who nice. um, <laughs> who was just way overqualified for his job but because for other reasons he was always sidelined and this was the best agency job he could get but when the time came he he was always the first to step up to the plate and you know, lead the investigation. So lots of fun. That's how I kind of got roped into the Cthulhu mythos. And so naturally this movie kind of spoke to me. Nice. Yeah. I'm pretty familiar with Delta Green. It's kind of like the X-Files of the Lovecraft universe. I've played Call of Cthulhu with a few of my buddies. A few of them have been on the podcast, uh, Diego and Josh. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a really fun game. It's kind of like the Lovecraft version of Dungeons and Dragons. So is Delta Green. Um, yeah. You have these characters. We have you have like a a spreadsheet of all the different attributes of your particular character. A little bit of backstory, inventory, all that fun stuff. And every time I played Call of Cthulhu, because I played a few of them, I'm usually somebody that kind of knows a little bit about what's going on, but majority of the time. You don't really know what's what's happening, and it's kind of like ordinary people place into extraordinary events. And with Delta Green, it's kind of like they're more familiar with the threats, right? Like you said, it's like X-Files meets Cthulhu, and in our case, meets Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> uh, we've got to a lot of wacky misadventures, but there's nice. always that kind of creeping element of horror and just encountering things that you cannot understand much less fight and maybe you'll get out with your life probably not and even if yeah. you do the nature of being in this covert unit is that you have to keep all these secrets to yourself and so between sessions they have things like do you go to therapy do you you know blow off your relationship at home and with your friends do you like how much do you share with other people if you share too much then you know you could be like hunted down and killed but if you don't share enough like it takes a psychological toll on you you have like a sanity uh, right. score and if it goes too far out of whack your brain could crack and yes. that's the end of your character yeah a few of my characters like their their sanity level has like decreased every time they encounter some sort of things from beyond that they don't understand and if they encounter too many times, they lose their minds, as you said. So with Delta Green, are they related 
in any way to Miskatonic University at all, or is it a separate entity? It depends on on who's leading the game and what kind of settings they use and details. But it has come up with a couple of the characters we've interacted with. Our mission handler uh, hailed from that area, had a had a funeral like down the street from uh, Miskatonic University. Mm. So it comes up. Okay. And of course, Miskatonic University is a famous setting in the Cthulhu stories. It's a fictional university set within the Lovecraft world and Miskatonic does come up um, as like a little cameo in this movie that we watched today from beyond. Mm -hmm. So before we really get into the movie from beyond, did you read the novella that it was based upon? I did. Um, I was surprised how short it was. Yes. It's it's very short. It's like 10 pages. And as it turns out in the movie, it's like the pre-credit sequence. Exactly. This movie, before we jump into it, it's a very loose adaptation of the novella. And like you said, the novella, the plot within that story is within the first five, ten minutes of the film. Before we really get into it, a thing we like to do on Syndicate is called... The 60-second elevator pitch. Please stand clear of the closing door. Aaron, I know you are very well-versed in this segment. Oh, yes. You've probably done it many times. I know it haunts your dreams, just like the (laughs) monsters of Lovecraft. Oh, indeed. Yes. And unimaginable horrors await in the 60-second elevator pitch. But for those that don't know, when you sell a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So today we are going to simulate that by putting 60 seconds on the clock for you, Aaron, to describe the whole plot of From Beyond while avoiding major spoilers within 60 seconds. Aaron, are you ready? I am ready indeed. All right. We are going to start in three, two, one, go. Okay. You've got deck... Dr. Edward Pretorius, he is doing some weird mad science into perceiving things from beyond. You have his assistant, Crawford Tillinghast, who's kind of seen seen this dude die in mysterious circumstances. He's trying to piece together his research, but his mind goes crazy. You have Dr. Catherine McMichaels. She is the uh, a schizophrenic researcher who's trying to piece together what happened and discover some untold knowledge. And we also have Bubba Brownlee. He is the police backup and probably the only voice of reason in this catastrophe. And so they go to this house. They uh, tried, They mess with this resonator, this strange device that when powered on lets them see things from beyond and it drives them crazy and a whole bunch of weird and gory stuff happens. And that's pretty much the movie. <laughs> <laughs> five seconds to spare yes excellent job yeah you're getting used to this so i am i am so yeah you pretty much summed up the whole plot which is these crazy scientists from miskatonic university create this device called the resonator and the resonator is created by dr Pretorius, and he is trying to look beyond the senses of man and try to unlock the pineal gland, the third eye, mm-hmm. and that has disastrous consequences, as we can see. It does. The pineal gland, it is an actual thing in our brain. We're not 
quite sure what it does or all of its intended uses are, but one kind of crackpot theory that's been in place for a long time is that this is a kind of recessive gland that isn't in much use anymore, but used to be used to as kind of a sixth sense to perceive things that we can't perceive with our other senses. That's an idea where the third eye comes from. Yes. And so this resonator that Dr. Pretorius makes, it tunes into those frequencies in such a way that it activates the pineal gland and lets mm-hmm. you see things from beyond. I'm going to say that as much as possible during this <laughs> episode. And so when they activate this, they see like weird, almost like sea monsters that kind of like yeah. float around in the space around them. Mm-hmm. And it's actually there, like bites Jeffrey Combs in the face. And so their actual things are there and they're all around us all the time, but we just simply don't see it because we don't have our pineal gland stimulated. Also, we'll get into this later, stimulating the pineal gland makes you super, super horny. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, this was my first viewing. I've never seen From Beyond before and I haven't really heard of the movie. I've heard of the director. So it's directed by Stuart Gordon. He made Reanimator, which is mm-hmm. a modern day horror classic. Um, I'm a big horror movie genre fan, so I know all the big directors and movies in the genre throughout the decades. So seeing that on the From Beyond poster from the creator of Reanimator, I'm like, ah, this is going to be a body horror movie. It is. Yes. There are many scenes where it's like, ooh, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. With this movie, I was thrown back, I guess, I don't know when it comes up, I guess the second act, where they're like, the pineal gland, it's, it stimulates your sex drive, your libido, and I'm like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did some research on it, and it regulates melatonin. That's what we can confirm about the pineal gland. And mm-hmm. indirectly, melatonin affects your libido as everything else in your body. So I'm like, okay, so I get it. It's an 80s movie. They want to sex it up. Yeah, and it's a goofy movie in a lot of ways. Not as self-aware as something like Reanimator. There's no like, you know, quippy one-liners and things like that. But it is a silly movie with a bunch of puppets and rubber man effects and things like that. <laughs> but it's also, it's got one foot planted in comedy, one foot firmly planted in horror. So yeah, that's the real reason why. But there is that kind of <laughs> tenuous link to sexuality that we have here. And so thematically, that's kind of undergirded by what we learn from about Dr. Pretorius is that uh, he's he's a weird sex pervert. He's got mm-hmm. a BDSM dungeon outfitted in his house, has ladies there all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he explains to, to Crawford at one point, he's a hedonist. He wants to experience all the, all the pleasure and sensations that you can with all your five senses, but it's never enough. He always wants more. And that's kind of driven his research into this resonator because he wants to see what we can't see and feel what we can't feel. Right. And then as a kind of foil to that, we have Barbara Crampton playing Dr. Catherine McMichaels. She's a psychologist who wants to help uh, schizophrenics. And she is wrapped up in this whole investigation into the the death of Dr. Pretorius. Mm -hmm. They think Crawford did it. They think he's crazy. 
she wants to actually get to the bottom of this. And her whole deal is that she wants to be able to see what we've never seen before. And actually, like it says this in the towards the beginning of the movie, there's so much more to see. And she got these huge glasses, kind of frumpy appearance, and she's inquisitive and curious and wants to get to the bottom of what's happening. And so that's kind of her hook into like why she's so fascinated with this resonator and uh, wanting to see and perceive. So you, you, you got some, some good themes running already in this movie. So yeah, it's in stark contrast with the book because Dr. Pretorius and Dr. Crawford are kind of asexual. Pretorius is driven to look beyond the five senses but it's not for sexual reasons. It's kind of like a lust for knowledge rather than a lust for women. Mm -hmm. As Dr. Pretorius is doing his experiments on trying to see from beyond, Mm -hmm. he encounters these crazy monsters, as we talked about earlier, and they eat everybody, including Dr. Pretorius. And Dr. Crawford is a sole survivor, and of course the police are rushing to the scene of the event and they find him fleeing. And of course they think he's the perpetrator. So they arrest him and he's placed Mm -hmm. in the psychiatric ward. So when we're introduced to Dr. McMichaels, she definitely fits into the role of the book version of Dr. Pretorius and Dr. Crawford, where it's somebody that's genuinely interested in learning more through science and through experiments Yeah, the movie takes a lot of liberties, and I do enjoy that. You don't have to do a straight adaptation, especially with the book so small. You know, there's not a whole lot of source material, so you have to get a little creative with it. And I Mm -hmm. think they they do it in an interesting way because the movie definitely takes a left turn when, and many left turns, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, As the movie goes on, and I didn't know whether the movie was taking itself seriously or if it was just poking fun at the whole concept. I don't know. It felt pretty pretty odd. Well, Armand, to describe this movie as odd just doesn't even scratch the surface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to have fun with your friends, put this movie on and tell them nothing about it. Which is what you did to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Its tone is a bit hard to put down it's a little messier than what you would find with reanimator where it's very clearly a comedy and it's very Mm -hmm. they're just chewing the scenery left and right it's just a comedy with gore uh this is more it leans into kind of the horror elements of it and so i think it's mostly supposed to be taken seriously but then you know they have like a giant fabric worm devouring Jeffrey yes. Combs and yes. the stomach as of eating away all his hair because why not? Yes, <laughs> it's 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 very Which is very, a very phallic symbol given the subject matter. Yeah, and his third eye, his pineal gland grows so large, grows out of his forehead like a little skinny dick. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very silly, but it's also like within the movie, the horror is taken very seriously. It kind of stepping outside the movie, it's a weird creature feature, but. <laughs> You know, that's that's Stuart Gordon for you. Right. And I do appreciate that the movie, the characters within the movie take the threat seriously. It's never making fun of the horrors that are presented on screen. It's just me as a sensible man 
looking at this and it's like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, back to the story. Dr. Crawford is framed essentially for the murder of Dr. Pretorius by Dr. Pretorius from beyond the grave. Yes. (laughs) And Dr. Catherine McMichaels is trying to figure out what exactly happened. And she, on a whim, takes Dr. Crawford's testimony, you know, with some sort of credence, like, okay, there's some sort of truth going on here. So I'm going to take him back to the house and try to figure out what happened. What's going on with this resonator thing? And she goes with Bubba. She somehow gets custody of him, transferred over by the DA, which that would not happen today. No. I don't even know if it would happen back then. (laughs) But hey, it's a movie. You know, it's a Lovecraftian world. Things are different over there. Yes. (laughs) They do things a little bit differently in Miskatonic University. That's where the real story unfolds, where they discover the resonator device and they power it on. And once again, their pineal gland is stimulated and they can see the creatures all around them. They see the ultraviolet lights that we previously thought we couldn't see with our naked eye, but with the resonator, we can. So in this house, what happened? The first attempt to turn on the resonator kind of trashed the place, you know, left the body of Dr. Pretorius there. And so they they come back in, they have to kind of reassemble everything. The computer's broken. The magnetism of the resonator wiped the program. So they have to do everything manually. You know, Crawford, he's a bit reluctant to actually do this, and he thinks this is a terrible idea, but he gets the sense that, you know, if he can help them see what he's seen and kind of prove his innocence, maybe they can actually take him seriously and he can be cleared of the accusation. And so they spend some time putting it all together and getting it ready. And then when they finally do, they turn it back on and the movie's pretty cool with this. The whole lighting changes. It kind of looks almost like a stage play. And you have like these like sharp pink lights contrasted against blue and the wind picks up and they're able to see these weird jellyfish creatures. One of them bites Bubba on the arm to again prove it's real. And they see Dr. Pretorius there from beyond. (laughs) Yes. So we get major A24 vibes with the lighting and the creatures that come out of this resonator or revealed because of the resonator's ability when it's turned on. And yeah, Dr. Pretorius comes back from beyond the grave. And he takes Dr. Catherine McMichaels, Barbara Crampton, hostage. Oh, no. Yeah. Chaos ensues, obligatory tit shots, and (laughs) our heroes must now defeat Dr. Pretorius as he comes back from beyond. Yes. So this part of the movie, it's a bit of a back and forth. First, they see Dr. Pretorius. Didn't really believe that he's real, but, you know, he's just standing there nude and allows them (laughs) to touch him if it pleases them. And so uh, Crawford like touches his shoulder and it just kind of like melts like a wax figure. Yeah. Great special effects. Yeah. He like tears away his face and it gets like real creepy before they're able to shut off the resonator. Bubba's horrified. Crawford's horrified. Dr. McMichaels is like ecstatic. She wants to research this thing, find out more, figure out what's going on. Because her theory is 
schizophrenics in hallucinating things and hearing voices, her theory is that they're able to see what we can't see and perceive what we can't perceive. Mm. Or there might be some kind of problem with their pineal gland that seems like this resonator is experiencing. There's this running theme of this kind of lust for more, more Mm. than you can be either trusted with or can handle. It's not quite sure. And that leading to their downfall. So even though Bubba's like, let's get out of here. And Crawford's like, no, we should destroy this thing. Dr. McMichaels is like, let's press on. She sneaks off in the middle of the night and flips it on, invites Dr. Pretorius back. And each time that he comes back, he's like more misshapen and weird and gross. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like he's got like a long worm neck and like this kind of hunchback body with like extra limbs. And that's when he like grabs her and then uh, Crawford and Bubba have to rescue her. Right. They run into this weird worm creature thing in the basement as they're trying <laughs> to like unplug the power coupling. Right. Whatever. Just go with it. <laughs> it just like it grabs Crawford and almost eats him, but Bubba's able to pull the power for the resonator and cut it off just in time so that the worm creature disappears. Mm-hmm. And oh no, he's got a bunch of chemical burns all over his body and he's missing all his hair and he's all weird. That's Stuart Gordon. But <laughs> they all start experiencing some weird changes to their behavior. Right. And just like with theories surrounding the pineal gland, when you stimulate it, you begin to look at life differently. With Dr. McMichaels, so the character is presented in the beginning of the film as like a science nerd. Imagine Barb from Stranger Things. Coincidentally... Mm. The actor is named Barbara Crampton, who is a scream queen of the time, which I should have seen coming because it is Barbara Crampton. She becomes sexually awakened and she becomes more beautiful. She has her hair down. She loses the glasses. Oh, it's the (laughs) 1980s. Once the glasses are removed, you're beautiful all of a sudden. She's not wearing baggy clothes anymore with the shoulder pads. Yes, now she's wearing... Well, she sneaks into... Because Dr. Crawford, because of his burns, he's kind of nursing his wounds in the BDSM dungeon that Dr. Pretorius had. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) Whatever. Just go with it. Yeah. So she goes in there and. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
is so enamored with all the chains and whips and apparatuses in that room. She then dons a leather lingerie set that apparently fits her for some reason. Sure. She then begins to attempt to seduce Dr. Crawford. As he's unconscious. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> totally would not fly in you know, nowadays. But anyways, Bubba comes in as the voice of reason, as you put earlier. And he's like, this isn't you. What is wrong with you? And she's like, I don't know. So everyone experiences the encounter with the resonator, having their pineal gland stimulated. They all react differently. Dr. McMichaels reacts sexually. Bubba, how does Bubba react? He does react sexually, too. He remarks about um, getting a hard-on the first time he's exposed. Later, just casually sleeping in his Speedo, because why not? He does not like what's happening. He gets a bit aggressive. He attempts to shoot Dr. Pretorius at one point and, you know, fires off six shots and doesn't even scratch him. He's wanting to get out and go from the get-go. And he's he's really the only one to not have his entire psyche and behavior shift uh, as a result of this resonator. Not that it saves him because at one point the resonator... They move around too much and make too much noise and all these kind of like spectral like flies show up and start attacking everybody. And right. he kind of, you know, sacrifices himself, gets Crawford and Dr. McMichael's safety, and he ends up getting eaten by a swarm of them until he's yes. a bunch of puppet bones on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Ligaments and puppet bones. So unfortunately, he doesn't make it. No. And... Yeah, like we alluded to earlier, Dr. Crawford has his pineal gland stimulated to the point where it's jutting out of his skull and looking around, and he's seen the world through the pineal gland, and it's kind of like an infrared-type effect when he does that. Yeah, kind of like uh, Predator. Yeah. It's not quite heat vision, but everything's kind of weird multicolors and... The camera's way of showing us that he's seeing <laughs> things that, you know, nobody can. Right. Seeing a different light spectrum than our uh, natural eyes. So the film progresses and they have a final showdown with Dr. Pretorius and he's fully transformed into this Lovecraftian creature of unimaginable horror. Well, it has been quite the journey for Crawford. He goes from this house to the psych ward, mm-hmm. back to the house, back to the hospital with the skinny dick growing out of his head. <laughs> and he ends up getting this deep, ravenous hunger for other people's brains. It seemed to imply that his pineal gland is like seeking out other people's brains. And so he gets into these kind of fits where he can't control himself and Mm -hmm. like a zombie he chews out other people's eyes spits them out and then sucks their brain through the eye socket yep yeah it's quite quite disturbing um (laughs) but one way or another he ends up making his way out of the hospital and Mm -hmm. back to the house dr mcmichaels she is also taken into the hospital after an incident at the house and you know, she's not taken seriously. She's slowly losing her mind. She almost goes under electroconvulsive therapy before she's able to break away. 
and uh, she ends up back at the house. Mm-hmm. She's got a bunch of pipe bombs. Don't ask. Uh, <laughs> and she's going to destroy this resonator once and for all. Crawford shows up there and uh, almost like a homing beacon. He's just drawn back to this thing, but he's not really himself anymore. Right. And so he's taken a liking to Dr. McMichaels and almost stops her from destroying this thing because it turns on again and Dr. Pretorius is there and a huge fight ensues and Crawford ends up fighting with Dr. Pretorius and kind of sacrificing himself so that McMichaels can get away and uh, she makes it out in the nick of time before the whole place blows up. She doesn't escape unscathed. She like breaks her leg as she's jumping out this window and it's yes. really gross and sticking out of her leg and compound fracture. Yeah. Uh, then like a bunch of neighbors who, I don't know where they were this whole movie, but they show up <laughs> uh, to try to help, I guess. And uh, she's kind of reduced to this like stark raving lunatic, just cackling with this mad energy as yes. the kind of movie fades out. So she's gone through like the whole transformation during oh, this yeah. whole movie. Props to Barb. Yes. Quite a performance. She's always fantastic. Definitely the horror movie ending where, yes, they defeat, quote, defeated the monster, but the horror still lingers because our main protagonist is forever changed by the events. And it's kind of like a wink, like, you know, these creatures are still out there. They can still get you. Indeed. We watched the whole movie, and we're left with this sense of wonderment because... This movie made me reevaluate some aspects about the pineal gland. It kind of taught me something new about the pineal gland that I didn't know about with the whole melatonin secretion from it, which regulates sleep most importantly, and not your sexual drive. But <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about dimethyltryptamine, also known as DMT. Sure. DMT is naturally secreted in our bodies. There's a theory that it mostly comes from the pineal gland, but modern day research has determined that it can also be found in other organs within our body. So this is a natural forming substance. And there's a theory that this substance also is the reason why we dream. Hmm. Dimethyltryptamine is a psychedelic, and its physical form is in the form of ayahuasca, which is two natural substances combined to create a very intense but very short psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. And DMT is also naturally forming in our brain, so that's why people believe that that is a reason why our brains dream and why we have such vivid dreams when we do dream right you know something wild that i've heard is that if you deliberately deprive yourself of the five senses as much as possible so you know you block your vision and hearing suspend yourself in a float tank or something Mm -hmm. like that where you just shut off as much sensory input as possible your brain will just start producing its own sensations as a result of this because it needs something to work with. And yeah. the theory is that it will stimulate 
production of DMT in order to do this. Now that's interesting. I definitely heard about sensory deprivation tanks and I could see why that would occur. And that's a very interesting natural reaction for the brain to do. So what's interesting about Lovecraft's take about the pineal gland, which I'm kind of surprised that they knew about all back then. But then again, the ancient Egyptians kind of found the pineal gland within the brain because of their, you know, their embalming techniques. Yep. So it's an organ that's shrouded in mystery because we still don't know anything about it. And what's interesting about Lovecraft's take on it is that the pineal gland is kind of like a gateway to see other creatures. And that's interesting because when people go on ayahuasca trips or take DMT, they see creatures seemingly from another dimension. Mm -hmm. Well, I know there's a growing body of research that seems to be linking psychoactive substances to a lot of traditions of spiritual experiences, uh, most particularly like mystics and shamans, in that they would ingest some of these substances and be able to perceive spiritual realities much like we would perceive the physical realm. Mm. Um, One example I can think of, and I don't know how academically rigorous this is, but there's a theory that Moses's experience with the burning bush was that the bush in question was acacia. And acacia does contain DMT in it. And so Mm. there he goes, because he encountered a burning acacia bush that he was able to ingest some of that DMT and what he breathed in and that kind of mediated this kind of spiritual experience that he had. I don't know what to make of that, but it, it is a it is a compelling theory to, to say that there is a chemical mediation that would allow one to kind of experience this kind of spiritual reality or extraterrestrial right. reality, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that if so, that there's these beings that can be perceived and that they could affect our reality in some way. I kind of went down the DMT uh, rabbit hole reading about it um, in preparation for this episode. (laughs) And there's a lot of people talking about like DMT elves, like these kind of... The clockwork elves. Yeah, these kind of like benevolent beings that show up frequently in these kind of DMT-fueled visions. Mm. Do you want to talk about that? What's interesting about DMT, which separates it from other psychedelics, is when you take like ecstasy or acid or LSD, you hallucinate. But if you're in a room and everyone takes a drop of acid, they're all going to see different things because Mm -hmm. they're thinking of different things or they're thinking of memories or something that's going to influence whatever hallucinations they're going to see. When people take ayahuasca trips... Either, you know, in the American desert or down in the Amazon in South America, everyone sees the same thing. Now, that's interesting. That's no longer a hallucination. They're seeing something. They're, they're yeah. tapping into, I would say, another dimension, another plane of existence that, just like in the movie, From Beyond, that our mere five senses can't see. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a theory that DMT kind of unlocks, unlocks the third eye, unlocks this sixth sense where you are able to see things. And that includes these benevolent creatures called the clockwork elves. And mm. what's interesting about these elves is every time people experience them, it's not, it feels like it's not made of their consciousness because when you dream, you can kind of decipher and figure out like, okay, I dreamt these things because during the day I experienced X, Y, and Z. And it's kind of like melding together and creating, you know, these characters or whatnot situations. Right. But with these clockwork elves, they kind of tell you things that's so enlightening. You never would have thought of those ideas in the first place. So it's mm. like, where are these ideas coming from? So where are these consciousness beings from another dimension, interdimensional creatures? Where are they coming from? <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, none of this can be proven. This is all sure. speculation, but a lot of accounts tell the same things. And it's like, maybe there is something to this. And it's a shame that people aren't researching it more. Yeah. And I guess movies like these kind of touch on that reality and more were properly our fear of that. We're messing with things that we don't understand. We're encountering these beings that we have very little knowledge about and that for all we know could very well be malevolent and can just wipe us out in a snap of their fingers that's kind of touched on in the broader lovecraftian mythos and you know you see it in other movies too like they live there's this whole extra dimensional reality where uh, all these aliens have invaded and taken over the world and nobody even knew because they couldn't perceive these aliens but he's got the special glasses that he puts it on he can see what's not there and nobody takes him seriously and no one believes him but you know he knows the truth he knows the truth and he chews bubblegum kicks ass yes indeed. <laughs> i didn't bring this up with you earlier but i also wanted to touch on some of the gnostic themes of this movie because they're closely tied with what we discussed already sure for those who don't know gnosticism or Gnostic belief is this ancient philosophy. They valued obtaining unknown or hidden knowledge and believe that was the best way to live one's life and how you can transcend into the spiritual plane by obtaining this knowledge. And one of the kind of driving beliefs that they had was that humans are two separate elements. They are flesh and spirit, and the flesh is bad and limits you and it's basically the source of all that holds us back as people and really what we are is the the spirits within and our mental capacities our ability to reason that is the real kind of virtuous part of humanity that needs to be elevated that's grossly oversimplifying what gnosticism is but for the purposes of this conversation it'll do And we see a lot of those themes come up now and again in movies. The Matrix has a lot of Gnostic themes in it, especially the cyberpunk genre Mm -hmm. that it's derived from in the idea that you can, you know, replace your body parts and doesn't matter all that much because it's the spirit within you that matters. 
you know, that shows up in Ghost in the Shell and that shows up in From Beyond when especially Dr. Pretorius, he's when he's like this weird, a goopy creature and like his face is melting off and, you know, he's like peeling it off and he says, you see this, this is just a body. You know, the mind is, is indivisible. Mm-hmm. And so it's, he wants to use other people for his pleasure. He's willing to discard his own body. He's w- willing to discard the bodies of other people all for, you know, the kind of stimulation that and pleasure and pain that and everything that he can experience, not within his own body, but kind of transcending that. So, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a strong strain of uh, Gnosticism in this, and there's parallels, too, with Gnosticism and being able to see beyond what can be perceived and obtaining this hidden knowledge and, of course, the kind of cost and ruin that comes with that. Right. It feels like humans are always in the pursuit of finding out the truth, whether it's hidden truths or trying to see beyond the curtain of life and reality. Mm-hmm. And I feel as this movie, along with a lot of other films, and stories they kind of touch upon that curiosity because humans want to know all the answers and taking DMT or looking beyond this reality kind of like gives you a little glimpse of what there is beyond or what could be and it's very interesting uh, yeah before mm-hmm. Before we start recording, I showed you some artwork by Alex Cross. Yeah. This artist kind of, to his best abilities, tries to recreate what a DMT trip would look like. And it includes a lot of fractals and a lot of other imagery of like repeating images. And what's interesting is I'm a designer and I've taught this notion in a few of my design classes that I've had with people, the concept of the golden ratio mm-hmm. and the golden ratio. I remember I had a, I had a friend. He asked me like, there has to be some sort of mathematical equation for beauty. And I said, well, technically there kind of is. And that's the golden ratio or the Fibonacci mm-hmm. sequence. And the golden ratio is prevalence in nature a lot. Um, Like your finger to your hand to your arm is golden ratioed. Your nose to your eyes to your face is golden ratioed. Mm. And what's interesting about Alex Cross's artwork is they're repeating fractals. And in those fractals, you can see faces. Or you can do this with like mathematics. Like when you have things repeating like that and if they are golden ratio to the fibonacci sequence you'll see human faces that aren't there which is such an interesting concept to unpack i don't think we'll ever get to any sort of meaning in you know in our lifetime to why that occurs yeah cuz at, at the very minimum that would imply that beauty itself is in some way related to the kind of unchanging mathematical constants that seem to operate 
the entire universe and all mm-hmm. of known existence, which that's just crazy. Yeah, and I think ancient man, because you, you brought it up with the Moses story with the burning bush. When you look at the Old Testament specifically, you see a lot of imagery of psychedelic use. Mm-hmm. And there's a theory that the with the story of Adam and Eve, the forbidden fruit was actually a psilocybin mushroom, which is a psychedelic evoking mushroom, which lend credence to Terrence McKenna's theory about the stoned ape, that the reason mm-hmm. why humans evolved to have larger brains is because we ingested psychedelic mushrooms, which caused some sort of chemical reaction in our brains for them to grow larger. Yeah, or at the very least, just narratively speaking, it's in this fruit, whatever it is, is kind of the at the center of why we're human and why we're not animals or mm-hmm. how we came from this kind of age of innocence to the kind of consciousness that we experience today. I also want to say there's this wonderful Disney animated special from 1959 called Donald in Math Magic Land. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have fond memories of this because it was shown to me in middle school in my math class several times, and it's always captured my imagination. There's this whole segment on the golden ratio and the Fibonacci sequence just show up everywhere and because they're doing animation and because it was Disney in their golden heyday. They actually do a really, really good job of showing this to you in a engaging way. So um, check it out. Donald in Math Magic Land. Yeah, I'll check it out. Thank you. It's, it's a mystery that definitely needs more attention and study. Indeed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, before we end the show, here on Syndicate, we like to do one reason why. So, Aaron, we are talking about From Beyond by Stuart Gordon. So... 
What is the one reason you would give somebody to watch From Beyond? Well, if you're a horror fan, it's just part of your required diet of movies, just how influential and core to the genre this kind of cult classic is. You'd be remiss not to see it. For everybody else, it'll weird you out. It'll gross you out. (laughs) It'll make you wonder why you're on a movie podcast discussing yet another uh, (laughs) sex pervert movie. (laughs) But we kind of need to be shocked out of our normal routine selves every once in a while in order to reassess things and reperceive things and is a goofy Stuart Gordon movie going to do that no maybe not on its own but it'll at least get you thinking about what kind of things we're not able to perceive yet and what we're missing and what can be glimpsed from beyond right well put and mine is in the same vein as yours as a movie from beyond is a great snapshot of 80s body horror movies and I would say Stuart Gordon, even though this truly is a hidden gem from his filmography because he is more well-known for Reanimator. But I think this is a a great genre film as well. I would compare it to like Cronenberg's films with like, you know, The Fly and other body horror movies. Like it's it's up there and has great special effects that, in my opinion, still hold up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it does open the conversation, hence the one that we just had right now about DMT, and looking beyond the filters of our perceived realities. And I think it's a good exercise for a lot of people because we can get in a mindset where we don't really think about life beyond our routine or our responsibilities and we don't really think lawfully as we should mm-hmm. as conscious self-aware beings so this silly movie from the 80s can spark a very interesting conversation for those around you yeah keep an eye out for other gnostic themes where they show up like when yoda tells us that luminous beings are we not this crude matter <laughs> Yes, I love it. Yeah. Well put, Aaron. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about From Beyond by Stuart Gordon. Please check it out where it is available. And now I would like to take a moment to thank my guest, Aaron, for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks, Armand. It's always a blast, even if we end up getting the weird, creepy sex stuff all the time. <laughs> that's okay. If that's that's the role I'm, I'm going to do, then by God, I'm going to do my best. Well, hopefully you don't get typecast into those types of movies, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) If you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Letterboxd. And if you have any questions or film recommendations, please email at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.